Hey, castmates, and welcome back to the Hard Conversations. We're here today to talk about hot topics for this week. And we have some really interesting stories that we want to bring to your attention. Of course, you know, you know, we can never talk enough, it seems, about police and their corrupt activities. But we'll bring that up in a little bit. Before we get started, Morgan, how's your day going? How's everything? Everything's good. It's a nice Sunday. I'm trying not to think about the grind that starts again tomorrow, <laughs> but we're good. Excellent. David, how's everything going? Good. My Colts won. Fantasy looking good. You know what I'm saying? It's a good football Sunday. Excellent. Well, I'm having a good Sunday myself. The week is going really well. I have some interesting news coming up that I'll probably share with you guys in a little in a couple of uh in a couple of weeks so be on the lookout for that but for the first topic we're going to be discussing um guys we're talking about the nyc immigration issues um this issue to me started with um the mayor of texas if you guys remember um texas was the um state that started sending up immigrants who were coming in across the border to northern states because they wanted essentially for northern states to get a taste of what was happening right how, how are you going to handle all of the Im immigrants who were coming in well new york city uh which has a right to shelter law that requires the city to provide temporary housing to anyone who asks for it this law has been in place since 1981 they are feel, feeling the uh, brunt of it. Uh, it seems as though they are struggling to provide shelter to nearly 100,000 migrants who have arrived since last year. They've opened 194 sites to house, uh, house the new incomers. And then those sites include hotel ballrooms, parking lots, former jails, uh, an airbase, warehouse. I mean, they're doing everything they can because that's the law they're required to do, but they are being overrun. Have you guys heard about this? I have, and this upsets me for many reasons. So we've New York has actually taken 113 migrants since September of last year. Um, and New York's homeless population had also hit an all-time high. So the city just has a bunch of displaced people. And I know that one of the reasons why New York City stepped up was because Texas said no. And at this point, New York City has nowhere to put these people and it's be it's become an unsafe situation. And they just keep sending them because they're being petty at this point. Um, no other states are stepping up. Um, these are people that we cannot confirm if they've had a vaccine or not. And the COVID numbers are going back up. Um, there's a bunch of young people that are displaced with the public school system where some of them can get into school. Some of them can't. Um, and they're spending $9 million a day to house all of these people. And while I am super sympathetic to the immigrant thing. And I, I'm frustrated because New York City shouldn't be the only city trying to handle it because New York City has its own problems and there's still a bunch of homeless New Yorkers that can't get any resources. Um, that we have a bunch of vacant buildings that are actually livable that aren't being used for this. And it just seems like a big mess where everybody, all the little people end up losing. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I am sympathetic to, you know, us being a big melting pot and being, you know, open to immigrants because this country, of course, is built on nothing but immigrants. But at some point, uh, we have to start uh, taking the load off of the people who are uh, putting into the city. I mean, it's really getting ridiculous. Um, but it seems to be, this is a political pawn to me because mm -hmm. um, Republicans are, of course, you know, throwing this uh, up at the president and saying, hey, look at what you're, what's going on under your um under your presidency right mm -hmm. he's getting all the, the brunt of it not only is he getting it from the republicans but he's also getting it from the mayor of uh, new york city and also from the governor of new york mm -hmm. kathy hochel they are both saying hey what are you going to do it's time for you to take in the responsibility for this and they're both really proud democrats right so it seems to be that this is being used as a political pawn and it might be a way that the Republicans, you know, might be able to uh, sneak in and get New York. What do you guys think about that? Or is New York just too blue for that to even happen? Well, one thing I would like to say is I'm going to have to, like, side with my uh, my governor here with this one, where he was saying from the beginning, like, listen, we can't house all these immigrants coming in. Did it's you say you were many. siding with the Florida government? I just yeah, he did. Sure I heard. Oh, okay. He okay. did, child. He Woo, did. Okay. I did. It was too don't, many. Don't cancel us, y'all. <laughs> it was too many coming in. He said this day one. He said, listen, it's too much for us to handle. Everybody's like, no, no. New York is like, yeah, you guys can take him in. Be nice to everybody. We like, we doing that, but it's too much. So he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to send him up your way. I'm going to drop him off at uh, somewhere in New York. Uh, drops them off in uh in Michigan, some other some other places, and now that you know, what I'm saying these happen to be Democratic states see that okay, yes, this is an actual problem that needs to be addressed. Like, hopefully, it's gonna get addressed because this has been a thing that's been going on, and it was just it started off with just hey, just you know, what I'm saying be cordial, but it's it's more than that. It's a lot of resources. So there definitely needs to be something done on a, on a federal level, but yeah, some some needs to be done. I think you hit the nail on the head there. That something needs to be done on a federal level because America, the country, welcomes immigrants, but somehow when the immigrants come, the state is the one that has to figure out what to do with mm -hmm. them. And mm -hmm. I don't think that makes sense. I think that there's enough space in the country that we can fit people coming in, but I think that also needs to come in conjunction with a better immigration plan um, because immigration looks real different according to what you look like and what country you're coming from. Um, and I think that the fact that these people coming from South America at this point in the game must know they're not going to expect anything easy when they get to the other side, but it's so bad where they're coming from that they come anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're truly going to call ourselves welcoming to immigrants, then we need a, a, a system that actually allows them to get in. Um, and we don't really have one that makes any kind of sense right now. But I don't understand how New York City's budget is supposed to be able to keep up with this. Like there should be money and resources coming from the like the federal government to help all states set up some kind of program to house these people, get them a job, get them housing, get their kids in school, 
and actually make it so that we don't just have hordes of people sitting in buildings with nothing to do all day, spreading COVID around and stuffed on top of each other. Right. It doesn't make any sense. The mayor pointed out that the new project, the uh, new projections for the city's budget gap could grow to nearly $12 billion. And that's the same amount that the city officials estimate that the migrants could cost the city over three years. So um, this city is costing a whole lot of money that the, the, the government, I'm sorry, that the city just doesn't have. The migrants are costing the city a whole lot of money that it just doesn't have. This is sad. Yeah. It's sad to me that these people are experiencing this, like when we have so much more to offer. And I'm going to say something controversial. Yeah. I don't, if this is what we're going to have them come into the country to experience, then we shouldn't be taking them. Right. But, but see, what's it is a, a federal problem, but they are being used as a political pawn. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair to them that they're being used, but it's also not fair to uh, us uh, as uh, taxpayers that we're being used against them as well. So, mm -hmm. so you have to go. So we can stop here. Just for this first topic, I know that you have to leave us for the rest of the day, which is so sad, but thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Yes, but of course you'll be back next week, right? I'll be back. So you guys won't miss him for too long, castmates. Uh, we'll be right back after this. This is your boy, Guru Dave. Welcome to the Hard Conversations. Let's get it. All right, well, did you guys know that uh, Marissa Mayan was fatally shot on August 4th during, during a training to become a full-fledged librarian police officer? The incident occurred at the end of a training session uh, at the neighborhood library when the class was posing for a photo and Mayan had paused to fix her hair and take off her face mask, according to charging documents. At that point, retired D.C. police lieutenant Jesse Porter walked out of the photo line, picked up his handgun, and shot her in the chest, according to documents. He has been charged with involuntary manslaughter. Uh... Mayan's attorneys and families blame district officials for allowing Porter into the library with a loaded gun, which they say was not necessary for the training. They said they are investigating which pol policies and procedures were violated and by whom. What, what, well, are, you, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I mean, policies and procedures were violated because um, that library is a federal property. And you're not supposed to bring a loaded gun into a federal building, and you know that was really negligence on the on the government's uh, behalf. So I just think it's really sad. And just to be clear, this happened in August of 2022, not not uh, 2023, so not not just last month. But I think it's really sad that this happened to her. I'm not necessarily sure why this was taking place i mean it 
watching the video, I don't even get what, what his point was. And, and if you listen to the testimony of people who were witnesses to it, it didn't really, it didn't seem like they understood why he just took the gun out. He just kind of just took the gun out after the picture because I guess she said she had to get ready for the picture and then he, he just shot her. He said that he thought he had his training uh, pistol rather than his loaded gun. And I'm just wondering... Even still, like it doesn't even make sense. Even if you had a training... First of all, the training pistols are still going... It's going to shoot a blank. It's still going to shoot you. But still, like, what? Like, you, you don't even... Rule number one: You don't play. You don't play like that with guns. Period. So it's right. like, come on now. You know this. This is like, and you're supposed to be a training uh, officer. So, but then what was some notable facts I thought was that you know he knew her for over a year. She was actually apparently joking with the other witnesses that uh, he was uh, somebody who made the training's more fun you know he would actually make it something that they could be more interested in rather than rigid i guess as other trainers would do but he had joked with her all that day about her difficulty with the material uh he even shot at her earlier with an orange training gun in the earlier you know earlier in the training so they definitely knew each other um i feel like to me that's worth noting Either way, he needs to be he need to be in jail. Either way you look at it. So he did end up getting jail. He did take a plea deal of involuntary manslaughter. It's lighter than the uh, second degree murder charge originally called for, and he only got three years in prison. So of course that's what the family is having an issue with, and that's probably why this story was brought to light because it was recently brought to light last month. Uh, it's good. It's because he took the plea deal. That's why. Uh, so my thing is, okay, if you're in court, can you can you justify this as anything but involuntary manslaughter? Right? Can you can you really prove that he this was premeditated? You know what I'm saying? Can you really can you really prove that? And so that and that's the, a no. How, no, that's not necessarily true. Because was the proper investigation done? We already know we can't trust the government um, to do the, the right shit. I mean, that's just pretty clear. But then also, I mean, when he when he did this event, everything that was supposed to have happened to him did not take place, right? He just basically stood there. He still had his armed pistol on his person, walked up to her, Attempted to do uh, CPR with another individual that was in the office or in the building. When the police got there, he was still standing there. He was un- he was not cuffed or detained. He was sent home that night to wait it out. So we already know that from the beginning of the scene, letting him in with the armed pistol, things were not done appropriately. So to answer your question... Can we prove it? We don't know because we don't know that they took the time to look into text messages, uh, Facebooks, Instagrams, right? How much do they really know each other? How much did they really look into the witnesses' testimonies about them knowing each other for a year? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that makes sense. 
So, I mean, I, I, yeah, we have to really think about that. This woman did leave behind a five-year-old son. Her parents are very distraught about the situation. The lawyer of um, representing the Mannion family, her name is Chelsea Lewis. She shared the following response. Watching Officer Morica fight for her life, or Marissa, sorry, fight for her life on the floor of the neighborhood library with her killer towering over her in her final moments was nothing short of heartbreaking. The District of Columbia bears a heavy responsibility for allowing such a a tragedy to occur in a public library against one of their own public servants. We're calling for an investigation into the multiple suspected, suspected police violations we observed on the surveillance footage, which allowed which included allowing Porter to enter the the library with a loaded gun and permitting him to remain just feet from where Officer Mannion was gunned down, uncuffed and armed with the weapon that killed her, surrounded by his former MPD colleagues. Our community deserves better protection and oversight from its governing bodies. The Mannion family is committed to making sure the public is granted access to the surveillance footage because the events that led to the death of Officer Mannion are a matter of grave public concern. And I completely agree with that statement. Yeah, definitely. So just, you know, our prayers are with this family. Um, Speaking of police officers and their negligence. Did you guys hear about the shooting of Eddie Irizarry? Oh, this shit. Tell tell the people. Tell the people. It's absolutely crazy. So, Philadelphia's police commissioner said on a recent, a couple of weeks ago, that a police officer named Mark Dial will be suspended with intent to dismiss him in 30 days of refusing to cooperate in the investigation of the August 14th shooting death of 27-year-old Eddie Irizarry. Now, here's what, here's what basically went down. For some reason, there was a chase that was going on with Eddie's Irizarry of some sort. Apparently, he was going down a one-way street and driving erratically, and then he ended up parking. Now, I'm going to get into there's many reasons why one can be going down a one-way street. Um, so the, you know, it's definitely something that should be investigated, maybe, but not to the point of murder. But anyway. When they got to his vehicle, he was still parked in the vehicle, and this is when the situation occurred. When the police got out of the vehicle and went to the car, uh, according to them, right after the incident occurred, in a press conference, conference, uh, I guess that's Corporal Jasmine Riley, told reporters that Izari had stepped out of his vehicle quote-unquote, with a knife following a traffic stop, okay, a traffic stop, and that officers gave, quote-unquote, multiple commands for him before Aziri, quote-unquote, lunged at the officers. Now, there's newly released surveillance uh, video the body cam, body cam footage. Body cam footage, but there's also actually there's footage that shows it on 
the homes, and that's actually where the uh, family got it from. Oh yeah, the it was like a ring doorbell. Yeah, it was like a doorbell or like some footage um, that contradicts the police department's initial narrative of events. Um, the surveillance footage does show. Yeah, it was provided by a local resident that he was pulling into the parking spot and parking his car, and then the two officers just leave the patrol car, approach him, and then they appear to yell, "Show your hands!" Uh, repeatedly, and then approximately five seconds after the officers leave their patrol vehicle, they approach the car. One of them fire what appeared to be about six times into uh, Aziri's side of the car, of course, uh, killing the individual that was inside. At least one of the shots appeared to have struck the car's windshields. So, what do you think about that? Yo, he's out on bail. I did not know that. He's out on five $500,000 bail. Wow. Uh, wow. He's, he's still... due to appear in court uh, on September 26th, so like sometime next week. But of course, that's because he's a cop. So his union and everybody around him is probably going to protect him. And then we're talking about uh, a white man against um, a uh, Hispanic, you know? And yeah. a- according to them, again, he got out of the vehicle. So. That was their excuse when they. I don't even. I mean, when you look at the. Did you look at the video, David? I did. I did. When you look, didn't even get to open the door. Right. So when you look at the video, I mean, how could you even possibly go to a press conference and like shout those lies, those lies out, knowing damn well that you're wearing body cam footage? Do cops care about body cam footage, like at all? I think they forget about it. They either forget to turn it on, which is a big thing right now, uh, or it's like they just forget that it's on kind of thing. That they just like, oh, shoot, I do got this body cam on me. It's crazy. Uh, the aunt of the victim did say that Azuri had moved to Philadelphia from Puerto Rico seven years ago, and he did not speak or understand English. So she did say that if the officers were saying anything to him in English, so for them to be saying even show us your hands, it's quite possible he did not understand what they were saying. And that's probably why he never put up his hands. Yeah, makes makes sense. And it's just like, this is wild that they have this like shoot first, you know what I'm saying, talk later mindset but and but then they're like shocked when you know what i'm saying anybody of color like has this mindset going into things so it's just right. like come on or don't understand why people of color have no trust for the police department that's supposed to be there to protect and serve but you don't do that at all mm. and i'm just you know and both of these stories just go to speak about like just the training, I mean, first of all, the first one, you know, when we talk about the Miss Mayan story, uh, that guy is supposed to be an instructor, right? And he has some serious issues himself. And then the second one is just another one, another situation where we have these white police officers 
or and it's not always just white ones, right? We just have these police officers who are taking advantage of that badge standing that they stand behind, and they're, they're out here murdering our, you know, people of color, and it's just a sad situation. Yeah, it it, it just makes no sense. And don't, and don't get it wrong, we're not saying all cops are bad, but there's a lot of bad apples out there, is what we're saying. Uh, and it's just like the the mindset, the culture needs to be changed. Uh, right. But, you know, it's also, to me, I, I hear people when they say, oh, not all cops are bad. But, you know, it, it is just as bad not to say something or to be complacent in the situation. Uh, if you have people who you know are doing bad things. So to those cops who are working, who might be considered the, oh, you're not a bad cop. You're just working with bad individuals and bad cops. Well, if you're sitting there letting it happen, you are just as bad as the people who are doing it. You are just as much of a criminal because, again, your duty is to protect and serve. And the people, whether they are working next to you or outside of that office, if they're doing criminal behavior, you need to be bringing them to justice. Yeah, and it's like... Y'all gotta do better than this. Like he shouldn't be he shouldn't be out on bail, even though he put up half a half a half a million dollars, but he still shouldn't be out on bail. Because if it was the other way around, there would be no bail. Like of come course on. not. Of course not. Well, the other way around, the guy's dead. Yeah, true. Right? So he would have died. If he would have shot at this guy, we already know he would have died because he 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 died and they didn't even do shit. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> They found the, the knives that they found in the in the car was a kitchen knife and a what do you folding knife a folding knife and according to the um, victim's aunt he worked on cars so a lot of times he would use knives as tools yeah yeah like the little pocket knife that like Boy Scouts use and shit right right. So, and again, complete lie to say that he got out of the vehicle. Uh, he never had an opportunity to. They shot him within the five seconds. Does it remind you of any situation where cops have done that before? I mean, plenty, honestly. What what brings to mind is specifically Tamir Rice. Um, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, wielding the gun, the little toy gun. And the cops literally rolled up on him and shot him. No questions asked. No freeze. No put put the gun down. Put your hands up. None of that. Just rolled up on him and shot him. No investigation. Nothing. And we're still we still dealing with this. Tamir died. Um, I I I can't even remember what year it was, but at this point, it's crazy that it's. It's been so long. 2014. Oh my god. It's been almost 10 years and we're still dealing well, even prior to that, we're still dealing with the bullshit. So <sighs> David, you're the one who wanted to talk about the, the the sad stuff. You really brought my day down from I didn't bring it day down, you know what I'm saying? This is just what I'm saying. This is what goes on in life. But you know what I'm saying? We gotta we gotta we gotta push on. 
That's true. That's true. Well, at least we have a very exciting main topic for you guys today. Uh, we're so excited. Morgan is going to be joining us for uh, the main topic, and that's going to be um, top five crime television television series. And I'm I'm excited to see what these two have um, in store because mine I think are pretty good. So we'll see. Yeah. We better have the same number one. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't feel like we watch the same type of TV, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, what's your week looking like, David? How what you got planned? A whole bunch of work. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? Uh, is football over? It's football. No. It's, yeah. Ha. Football is, football's not over till till Tuesday morning. Bitch, it has to end at some point. I mean, it's yeah, just, Tuesday morning. It's just going to keep on running through the night. It might as well. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So but watching yeah, nah. football. Yeah, that's gonna be my night. Okay, I'm I'm about to go make some dinner, some pork chops. Oh shit! Send me a plate. I don't know what I'm gonna put. I guess we'll do some yellow rice on the side. We'll see. Yeah, we'll send we'll FedEx it all, all the way down to Miami. There you go. That works. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, thank you for another great episode of the Hard Conversations. Again, we'll be right back with uh, the uh, top five crimes uh, this week. But um, that's it. It's a wrap.